Great, thank you very much, Will, coming back. Um, so this is our second part of the, the day, which is the clinical part of the day. We've got, we're lucky to have three consultant psychiatrists um, specialising in, in old age psychiatry uh, from the local area. Um, and firstly, I'd like to introduce Dr. Philip Wilkinson, who's a consultant at um, the local mental health trust, um, Oxford Health NHS Foundation Trust, who works with inpatients and has a special interest in late life depression. He's been doing some interesting work on transcranial direct current stimulation. I don't know how much we're going to talk about that today. Not, not much, all, not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but today is hopefully going to talk about some complex clinical cases in the field. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sophie and Charlotte. And thank you. Um, it's good to see you all here on such a nice sunny autumn day. Can you hear me at the back? Thank you. Is that all right? If I don't need to raise my voice, that's good. In our job, you get used to raising your voice, and by the end of Friday afternoon, working with older people, you tend to be go home and shout at your family. Um, so I'm taking a bit of a liberty at Charlotte's earlier invitation. I'm going to talk for the first 15 minutes or so about a case just to illustrate clinical complexity in old age psychiatry and the, the joys, really, of that. And then um, the second half of my half hour, I'm going to talk about some work that I was lucky enough to do in the Republic of Georgia in the Caucasus with um, a non-governmental organization to illustrate the wider problem or the wider challenge of uh, meeting the long-term healthcare needs of the elderly population around the world. Now for something completely different. So this is um, a whirlwind overview of old age psychiatry in low and middle income countries. Um, well, why is this important? I understand you've heard something already this morning about the demographics of dementia, but from a UK perspective. If you're going to go into careers as uh, old age psychiatrist, one of the things you will hear, I hope, more about um, when you're working and after I'm long retired is the challenge of meeting the needs in low and middle income countries or the developing world of people with dementia. So in a recent report, the World Health Organization described this as, the, um, as a ticking time bomb with um, an imagined impact comparable with that of HIV and AIDS in the 1980s. So two-thirds of the um, yeah, an Alzheimer's Disease International, which is a collective of, of research bodies, in their uh, 2010 report said that two-thirds of the economic burden of dementia is already borne by low and middle-income countries and this proportion is set to increase. Um, what characterizes these countries is the provision, is the lack of formal care provision. So it, care tends to be family-based and informal and not supported by diagnostic services or treatment and uh, support services. And medical help seeking for the symptoms of dementia in low and middle income countries appears to be unusual. This may reflect stigma or lack of understanding. Um, and of course people only, only seek help for things if they believe there's something to be done. And we, we saw a shift here in must be 15 years ago now when the cholinesterase inhibitors became available um, 
denepazil first of all. I mean, I think my, my view is that the cholinesterase inhibitors have done very little to, uh, had very little impact on uh, the morbidity associated with dementia in our society. But what, what they have done is uh, focused attention and focused attention in society and politics on the problem of dementia and the needs of people with dementia. So that, that will be their legacy, I believe. As yet, there hasn't been such a shift in low and middle income countries. Some low and middle income countries are in a former Soviet state, such as the Republic of Georgia, which I'll <coughs> mention in a minute. Um, so, again, most care in these uh, states uh, is provided by family members associated with significant strain and stigma. Old age psychiatry is not a speciality in many Eastern European states, as it isn't in a number of Western European states. And older people's services of any sort seem to be quite sparse. Institutional care can be offered um, in some states, but usually uh, seen as a last resort and a sort of one-way um, step. And something else uh, that's described as a sort of hierarchical, rather hierarchical um, doctor-centered approach to clinical work with, without a sort of multidisciplinary skill base, which we, we are now used to in our services. Um, so I was lucky to do some work on behalf of a non-governmental organization called the Global Initiative on Psychiatry um, with other colleagues, because our former professor of older psychiatry, Robin Jacobi, used to be, was, was involved in setting up the Global Initiative and um, used to be on their board of directors. So I and some colleagues helped with some work in the Baltic states and then more recently in Georgia. And this is me with a psychologist and psychiatrist who run the Tbilisi office. Um, for those of you who aren't aware where Georgia is, you've probably heard of them. They were in the rugby last week, I think. I don't know if they won, but I don't know how Georgians came to play rugby, but normally you associate it with sort of former Commonwealth, uh, with Commonwealth countries. But. Um, so Georgia is there, circled in red. So that's Western Europe over there with Berlin, and here's the Black Sea, and that, of course, little bit there is the Crimea, so that should be yellow now, I think, to fit in with Russia. So Georgia sits between, in this precarious position between um, Russia and Turkey, and it's one of the, um, the Caucasus. So you've got Georgia, Azerbaijan, and Armenia. So nestled in there between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Um, a small country, population 44 million, is that what I said? No, 4.4 million, sorry. Um, and most of whom live in Tbilisi, the capital. And to get there, you either have to go via Turkey, via Istanbul, or via Azerbaijan, so it's a bit of a trek. Um, it's a beautiful country, so these are the uh, North Caucasus Mountains, which are the sort of natural uh, border between Georgia and and Russia, and this is um, the north. You'll be you're probably aware of territorial disputes in Georgia with the Russians. So as um, Abkhazia and South Ossetia, you might remember, war breaking out in those regions in recent years, leading to a sort of displacement of people. This is old Georgian architecture in Tbilisi. Um, it's a very beautiful country and a very warm, hospitable, uh, with very warm, hospitable people with a sort of 
although it's not a Mediterranean country, but with a Mediterranean sort of attitude. Um, religion, the Georgian Orthodox Church is huge in Georgia, so while many parts of the world are seeing a reduction in number of people following organized religion in uh, Georgia since the end of the Soviet Union, the um, importance of a church has really, of a church has really reasserted itself, and this is a, a newly built Orthodox, Georgian Orthodox cathedral in Tbilisi. And there's the two colleagues I was with on the trip. Um, this is a hospital called Goldani Hospital. So it's one of five large, old, Soviet-built psychiatric hospitals in Tbilisi um, with 212 inpatients. And it's a rather sort of generic hospital, a little bit like Littlemore Hospital in Oxford was, I think, you know, a generation ago. So it provides long-term care mainly rather than acute care and will admit people with uh, older people with dementia or chronic psychosis or learning disability. So that's the exterior of the building. It's rather stark and the interior is very, very stark as well. This is me with one of the um, older male patients. You'll see his artwork on his locker. The Georgians are very artistic people and they, a lot of people will draw and paint as a hobby, and they, this, is a, this is used in the health service to good effect, so art therapy is a, a real strong feature of their healthcare system. And this is Jenny, one of our nurses, with some of the other workers and older, older female patients. The challenge um, in Georgia for the Global Initiative in Psychiatry is to try and engage the government in a dialogue about the specific needs of older people with mental illness and to try and help in the destigmatization of mental illness in older people. It's very much a family-based care model, but as the social patterns, working patterns change in society, then people, women, aren't at home any longer as much to look after older people. So there's going to, there's going to need to be um, a reliance, increasing reliance on charitable care or state health care um, but still that seem as a, seen as a last resort. The unstable political situation also contributes to the difficulty in um, organising care for older people. However, they have managed with some success to set up um, good um, uh, sort of projects, trailblazing modern services with younger adults. So there are new crisis intervention units, some very modern inpatient units, for instance. So there is hope, but it's just a question of trying to transfer those values to services for older people. Um, one of the things I got involved in was teaching. Um, it's about sowing the seed and nurturing, also nurturing the next generation. So this probably doesn't project very well, but this is me doing a talk about old age psychiatry, which what I thought was all sorts of interesting slides and frontotemporal dementia, PET scans, to a group of the long-term medical staff, most of whom had been there for many years, some of whom from the Soviet times, and it's very, very hard to interest them. It's a very hierarchical model. But, um, they don't welcome debate, and a um, couple of them just sort of get up halfway through and walk out or light a cigarette and just turn away. But it's not all like that. This is um, a master's program in mental health, which the NGO had been part of setting up in, it's in another, another hospital which is really dilapidated but they managed to get some rooms refurbished and get some modern IT equipment and they're running a very successful master's program from people, with people from a range of backgrounds in mental health of older people. And I also managed to do a lecture to medical students as well who um, 
to have very, very, very little teaching on all those psychiatry, and they absolutely lapped it up. They were really fascinated by it. So there, no, there is real hope. Um, this was a day centre which we visited. So the NGO works in collaboration with this day centre. So this isn't providing healthcare as such, but it's providing social care and also home care outreach to older people. The service is still sort of fairly stigmatised because it's seen to be unacceptable or a last resort to get help with your elderly relative. But it's a great positive place. This is the director showing me the, the homemade, homemade wine, as well as being very artistic. They're very much into homegrown wines, and so wine is produced and consumed um, liberally, which is lovely. So, and this is an old lady who you'll see on the video I'm going to show you in a minute. So watch, watch out for this lady. She was very, very keen to talk and tell us about herself and find out what we were doing. And another piece of artwork. So I'm just going to show you, finally, just a little video which warms the heart. So this is in the day centre, and a group of mainly ladies, the same situation as anywhere, so 90% um, women. And then you'll see one poor chap on his own on the other side. Did you see her? So, yeah, and just, so just after that, she, she made a break and she came over and started chatting, wanted to know who we are, what we were doing there. Um, so if you want to read any more about this, um, that's the, address, the web address for Global Initiative on Psychiatry. And also at King's College London, there's um, the 1066 Dementia Research, Research Group website um, who are looking um, at dementia prevalence and provision of serv and models of service provision in low and middle income countries. 1066 because 60% um, of the burden of dementia is in developing countries, but only 10% of the research takes place there. But quite a clever title.